This is the greatest hour to follow Jesus. The closer you get to the Lord, then He holds you to a higher standard. And, and the Lord told Moses that the reason he didn't enter the promised land is because he did not he did not treat the Lord as being sacred in the eyes of the people. It wasn't that he hit the rock twice. That was the action. The motive was is you treated me as common in the eyes of the people. And the reason God said you can't go in is because Moses had seen the Lord prior. In other words, his vision, his experience became the standard. So Judas was not the first or the last to sell Jesus out for money. But it was better that he never be born because he had proximity to Jesus. And so I wrestled in my heart all night last night. I didn't sleep well at all. Todd asked me to come to the breakfast. I was half comatose because I was just bearing my soul to the Lord. You've got to make me more like you. You have to. And I realize the responsibility here. So I just, just forgive me if anything was expressed. I want the intensity. I don't want to back off that. You know, sometimes he comes as a lion and sometimes he comes as a lamb. And we have to yield to that. But I just need my heart to burn and be more pure. So pray for me. (laughs) Thank you. Love you. Thank you. Um, I do have a word from heaven. Turn to Mark 4. Todd and I were just talking. Todd, I really love you, man. I, I don't know where I'd be uh, without Todd in my life. He's just such a blessing. He's the real deal. It's one of the great honors of my life to walk with you. I love you. Mark 4. How many of you know the parable of the sower? You don't, how many of you know parable of the sower? Okay. The parable of the sower is the key parable. It's the parable that unlocks the other parables. So we have to understand that parable if we're going to understand the ways of God. Understanding the ways of God is what keeps the work of God pure in your life. Israel knew his works. Moses knew his ways. Are you hearing me? So it's vital that we understand who God is and the way he does what he does. In verse verse 13 of, of Mark 4, the scripture says, Do you not understand this parable? Speaking of the parable of the sower. How then will you understand all the parables? The sower sows the word. And these are the ones by the wayside where the word is sown. When they hear, Satan comes immediately and takes away the word that was sown in their hearts. These likewise are the ones sown on stony ground. 
who when they hear the word, immediately receive it with gladness, and they have no root in themselves, and so endure only for a time. And afterward, when tribulation or persecution arises for the word's sake, immediately they stumble. Now these are the ones sown among thorns. They are the ones who hear the word. And the cares of this world, the deceitfulness of riches, and the desires for other things, entering in to choke the word, and it becomes unfruitful. But these are the ones sown on good ground, those who hear the word, accept it, and bear fruit, some 30, some 60, and some 100-fold. Also, he said to them, is a lamp brought to be put under a basket or a bed? Is it not to be set on a lamp stand? For there is nothing hidden which will not be revealed. There is nothing hidden. This is New King James. This is not, there is nothing hidden. Say nothing. Which will not be revealed. Nor has anything been kept secret, but that it should come to light. If anyone has ears to hear, let him hear. Then he said, now listen, listen, listen. Take heed what you hear. Circle what? With the same measure you use. Circle measure. It will be measured to you. And to you who hear, more will be given. For whoever has, to him more will be given. But whoever does not have, even what he has will be taken away from him. This scripture has been used mostly in the church to discuss giving financially. While I feel like it would apply to that, and does apply to that, the context is not money. The context is the voice of God. Jesus makes a statement here. Before he makes it, he says, let he who has ears to hear, let him hear. That means listen up real good right here. Take heed what you hear. That means choose who you'll listen to. Choose what you listen to. So the first charge is to take heed what, what you hear. Number two, with the same measure you use, that measure will be given to you. Each one of you have the ability to give God's word and what he is speaking more attention than the person to your right or left. That's a choice. There, listening is measurable. Giving your heart to the scriptures is, is measurable. Some give more of their ear to what God is saying than others. God's response is to use that measure and release that much of his voice to you. 
Now, the kingdom is not a communist kingdom. It is a kingdom. And the kingdom isn't fair. It's just. That's way different. So Jesus says, I want you to choose what you listen to. And then, however intently you listen, I will use that intensity to give you that much of my voice. Then he says, to him who has much, much of my voice, much of my word, more will be. To him who has little, even what he has will be taken away. That means all of you have much, kind of much, somewhere in between, or little. If you have a little, That is not God's fault. Because the context here is the parable of the sower. Listen. God, as I said yesterday, scatters his word. He scatters the seed abroad. He's generous. Say, God is generous. He scatters his word abroad. The issue is not how much seed is being scattered. The issue is your location. Your location. I want you to look back at at verse 14. The sower sows the word. That's the Lord. The seed is the word. Verse 15. And these are the ones by the wayside. Where the word is sown. When they hear, Satan comes immediately and takes the word. I hope this is all right. Oh, my legs kind of work there. I don't know how it works in detail. I just know this. Satan can steal the word of God from your heart. My gut is he does it the same way he stole Adam and Eve's promise. By getting us to question the word of the Lord, which is half God really said Here's the newsflash. God only really says stuff. How's the question? I mean, did he really say it? God doesn't kind of do or say anything. He really heals. He really saves. He really died. He was really raised. He really speaks. And he means it because he's not a liar. So he meant it. So the devil goes... Did he really say it? And that's why the perverse perversion means bent, twisted. I love I love that word Todd uses all the time. It's twisted. What he's saying is perverted. That's why one faith sword is bent. That's their emblem. It's a bent, curved sword. But the word of the Lord is true and straight. Though our word, the word of the spirit, the word of heaven is straight. There's nothing perverse about it. The devil can steal the word in the heart of a certain individual. And this is that individual. Listen, listen. It's the individual who lives by the wayside. It's right there. Look. These are they by the 
wayside, whom the devil steals the word from their hearts. Where is the wayside? It's on the side of the way. If this were the way, I love this thing, but I got to get one of these at our events. This is awesome. Is there, are these speakers? Okay. I'm light. So, Jesus walks down the way, right here. And he's got seed. It's the word of God. And he starts going. And it's being scattered. But Jesus won't change directions. He walks on the furrow. He knows where fertile ground is. Everywhere his feet touch becomes fertile. He is life. That's why there was manna and quail and water and honey from the rock in the wilderness. Wherever he is, it comes to life. That's why the scripture says, from the dry ground, a spring will come forth and it will become a fertile land. Where Jesus is, death comes to life. So where he is, there is fertile ground. All he has to do is touch it. That's why he descended and ascended. Why? So that he might fill all things. That means wherever he goes, he fills it with himself and he changes it. That's supposed to happen wherever we go. So Jesus scatters this seed, but he's so good and so righteous and so just, he won't have it so any man at the great throne of judgment, no man will ever be able to say this, I just didn't know. You weren't quite good enough to talk to me. He won't have it. So by means of his justice, he's chucking the seed around so that nobody could say, I didn't know you were real. When his presence becomes a side issue, his word is at stake in our hearts. When you leave the way and start to live on the way's side, off of the fertile path, you start living over there. Hear me. Every, you gotta hear this. Everything he's spoken to you up to that point in your life, every prophetic promise, every revelation from the word is now in danger. Everything in your heart Everything you remembered, even Romans wrote of salvation. Even scriptures you've memorized are in danger on the wayside. Because over there, there's no protection. That's why Isaiah said, anoint your shields. In other words, your shields don't work if they're not covered in oil. The ancient Israel used to go out and cover their, shore, their shields in oil. Do you know why? Because the enemy knew this. Listen, this is a very powerful truth. The enemy would, back then, the, and during war, they'd take these swords, and if they couldn't go through the, the shield, they would take the broad side of their sword and beat it on the side of the person's shield. And the sword would actually bend around the shield if the shield was hard, and it would pierce the heart. That's how the devil works. The moment we step out of presence, there's still a shield of faith there. 
But the devil knows he can try to sideswipe us. But if I bathe the shield in oil, the, the shield becomes soft. And it softens the blow of the sword, and the sword can't bend and it can't touch me. So Isaiah said it like this, anoint the shield. Don't have faith in faith. Have faith in Jesus. So, so over here, you've got this wayside area. And you have words over your life, like whatever that word might be for you. I don't have to share mine over my life. But whatever it might be for you. The moment you leave the way and live in the wayside, the devil goes, I'll take that. And here's what happens. Destiny and vision begins to dissipate. It becomes a distant memory. And all of a sudden you wake up, you go, why is it when I'm with the Lord and giving him my heart and my attention, why does my destiny seem to be more visible, more alive? Why do I see more clearly? Why am I burning? Why, why does everything make sense? Why do I seem to piece every prophetic word over my life as one giant puzzle, this beautiful collage, and I'm, I'm pressing into what I know God has given me. And then I take a few days off and just leave the presence. All of a sudden, my destiny seems clouded. I don't even know why I'm alive today. It's, I'll tell you why. Because the devil comes without us knowing and says, has he really said that to you? Did he really say you're to preach the gospel and the other say everywhere? Did he really say that your family will serve Jesus? Mom and dad, did he really say that over your children when they were born? Are those prayers in your journal really real? Could it really happen? That's what happens on the wayside. Now, listen to this. Jesus said, take heed what you hear. It means you listen to the word. By the same measure you use, it will be given to you. Listen. Valuing what he is speaking protects what he has spoken. I'll say it again. Treasuring His voice today protects yesterday's promise. If I find myself in the little realm where I've been given little because I'm living on the wayside, you know what happens? I lose the little. That's where confusion comes in. But God honors faithfulness with more of his voice. So you sit with the Lord today, completely tuned in to every verse, to everything he's telling you in the moment. You think it's just for the moment. What you don't realize that it's accelerating prophetic destiny behind you and that destiny will begin to smoke you and run you down. And God begins to give you more, more, more. And the person next to you who's not valuing his voice today seems to be hitting wall after wall after wall after wall. And that heart says it's just not 
fair. No, it's very fair. It's your living on the wayside. So God honors listeners with more to listen to. So my heart for his voice today protects what he said yesterday. So important. If you're writing, write this down. Honoring what he's saying protects what he has spoken. One more time. You got it. Honoring what he is saying protects what he has spoken over you. So, uh, Tom, are you around? What time do I need to be done? Todd, what time do I need to be done? 11.20. Is this, is this, is this, is this good? Is it helping? Okay. Okay. Good. Love you. Love you, bro. Okay, so, in Genesis 1-9, I want you to look at it. We're just, after last night, we just need to have a good old-fashioned relaxed Bible study. I, I feel like I, I, I came out of a UFC cage fight. So, this is like spa treatment. Don't you love, don't you love his power, though? Did you hear the cry of the bride last night? Let Maranatha come, Lord Jesus. Oh, amazing. Genesis 1-9. Hey, Charlie, are you here? Um, no. Uh, come here, Charlie. His name's Charlie. I change everyone's name who runs with us. I, I name him Chuck because it's... The nickname for Charlie. So this is Charlie Flock. He's a good friend of, of ours. His dad. He's amazing. And uh, Jordan, Jordan, are you back there? Come here. I just want to show you guys off. So their dad is a really good friend of. They're married. Um, they got married really young, and uh, they're an amazing couple. They're with us till the Lord says they're done, <laughs> and then they're going to Lebanon as full time missionaries. It's just so cool, and. Um, yeah, they've really been such a blessing to, to uh, we love you guys, man. But anyhow, I just want, anyhow, I just want to show you off. But do me a favor, look up the scripture where Jesus sighed and, um, and loose that tongue. Look it up for me and give me the chapter and verse. Yeah, just look up Jesus sighed. Maybe some of you can do it in your phone and scream it out at me. I want to go there. I heard it from the Lord to go there just a second ago. I can't remember the chapter and, and verse on it. John 10, 31. Okay, remember that. In the meantime, I want, you to, I want you to turn to Genesis 1, 9. You love the word? Good. Say this before we read it. Say, my Bible is not about my Bible. Say, my Bible is about Jesus. 
I'll say that again. My Bible. It's not about my Bible. My Bible is about Jesus. It's so important that we realize that. How many of you know you're not saved for believing the right stuff is true? You are saved by giving your life to a person. Especially in this part of the country, it's a real stronghold for, and I honor so much of what's happened here, the great Jesus movement, and God birthed something in the Spirit. And this part of the country, in many ways, and many fronts, has become a real hub for letter without spirit. When the author of the letter tells you what the letter's about, it's best to listen to him. Genesis 1.9 says, Then God said, Let the waters under the heavens be gathered together into one place, and let the dry land appear. And it was so. You're like, what are you talking about? What does that have to do with Jesus? You know the answer. Say, my Bible is not about my Bible. My Bible is about Jesus. Do you think maybe in the grand scheme of things, maybe he who is wisdom, maybe Noah's Ark is not about yacht building? Could it be? Then maybe God had something more grand up his sleeve than this is what to do when your city floods. Build a big boat. Man, we could figure that out. You think maybe the tabernacle is not about camping? Think God's a little smarter than that? So Genesis 1.9 says this. That God gathered the waters into one place and let dry land appear, he said. In the Bible, waters speak of three things. This is very important. Number one, the presence of the Holy Spirit from your innermost being will flow rivers of living. There's latter and former You got it. Say rain. Okay. Elijah cried out for? It's the Holy Spirit. Number two. Water speaks of, according to Peter, the washing of the word. The washing of the word. The word washes us. Cleanses us. That's why Jesus said, you are clean because of the word I've spoken to you. And that's how he prunes us, by the way, by speaking to us, not by punching us. Aren't you happy about that? Uh, This discipline might be a little different. If he wants to discipline you, he'll sit down, braid a whip like he did in the temple courts, make it himself, and then wield it himself. Now look, if there's one whip you don't want to get hit with, it's a whip that God makes. Can you imagine God's braid? Perfect. Like, no split ends, just perfect. The last thing you want is the Ancient of Days wielding the whip. 
And if you read Matthew's account closely, he actually has a healing service right after he whips him. Don't you love Jesus? That's why the Bible says this. He is altogether lovely. <laughs> he whips me and heals me. Who else does that? That's Jesus. That's Jesus. He's incredible. So water speaks of, thirdly, the spirit of man. Your spirit. David said it like this. Deep is calling unto deep like waves billowing. He said, at the sound of thy many waterfalls, deep calleth unto deep as waves billowing. Speaking of a life of intimacy with the Lord. What he was really saying is, my deep is feeling the tug from your deep. Your water, the water of the Spirit, is pulling on my spirit to love you. So those three things. Number one, the presence of the Spirit. Number two, the washing of the Word. Number three, the Spirit of man. So Genesis 1, 9 says, And God, listen, gathered the waters together. And then dry land appeared. You've got to get this part. Unless the waters of your heart are gathered with the waters of the Spirit, you have nothing and no land to stand on. God will not give authority for you to stand on until Jesus becomes your chief obsession. Now you'll have authority to do stuff, no doubt, but you won't have authority to shift nations and cities. There are some, when they get into a city, the devil knows. There are other people whom the devil really enjoys listening to when they preach. I had to come to grips with that. I said, Lord, does the devil like my meetings? Why don't demons manifest ever? That's what I had to come to grips with. I said, is he enjoying my messages? When, that's why I love worship. Listen, when his presence gathers the water of your heart and stills it, what did Jesus say? Let not your heart be troubled. Have you ever seen troubled water? Is it still or moving? That's distraction. Those are the cares of the world. That's what the parable of the sower is talking about. Those who are obsessed with the cares of the world and riches, their hearts are moving water. I'm a fisherman. I love to fish. It's my favorite hobby. I look for moving water because I know under the moving water, the troubled water, I should say, there's bait fish down there. There's a lot of movement, so they trouble the water. It tells me there's a predator nearby, and that's where I fish. But Jesus is waiting to still our troubled water right here. So we walk into meetings like this and we go, I have to pay my rent. I don't like Todd's hair. I don't like Michael's beard. 
Why do people fall? If I were doing that, I would do it differently. You know what the Holy Spirit says? That's great. You're just not doing it. That's what he says to us. We all, the devil goes, hey, if you were doing that, you'd do it differently. The Holy Spirit goes, well, wait till you're doing it to critique it. Right? So, all of that, that's troubled water. So, Anna takes the platform. Or someone else, and we start worshiping Jesus. The unrenewed mind says, sweet! Hopefully she'll be done in 27 minutes, so... We can get to the message, which means we get to the closing prayer, which means I get to lunch. Never realizing that Jesus is actually in the room. So the heart's going like this. It's troubled. And just... There's just no kiss on the meeting. There's no kiss in the moment. There, it's just this monotonous repetition because the waters are troubled. We get two songs in and we hit a seam like we did last night in that opening medley. Did you notice that last night? It went, woof. You feel the shift. What's happening there? Each and every heart, one by one, is going in the same direction. And God is gathering the focus of our hearts. It's rather in the focus. At some point in that setting, as he's gathering the waters, and things are still, listen, God will never, ever endorse distraction. He will give you no land to stand on. He will not turn your iPhone off for you. He'll turn it on. Wake you up in the morning. Make your alarm go off three hours before it should. He's not turning that bad boy off. God is not going to chuck you into your prayer closet. He's not. He's probably not going to pay your registration for power and love. Unless you ask him to by faith. He's not going to get here early for you. You guys came early. That means you're hungry. He's not going to do that stuff. So God is waiting on you to go, I don't like my troubled waters. Can you just calm the storm like you did when you stood on the boat? All of a sudden, your heart is calmed. And Jesus becomes more real and more central in your heart. In the moment. That's exactly how you still the water. Then the Lord says this, here comes the land. And you've got something to stand on. When you have something to stand on, you declare the word of the Lord from that platform. Bang! It begins to hit the hearts of men. Our home is that place. So David writes in Psalm 46, verse 10, Be still and know that I am God. The scattered heart cannot know God.
You ready for this? Because God doesn't kiss moving targets. Song of Solomon 1, let him kiss me with the kisses, kisses, kisses of his mouth. Let him kiss me. Oh, you got the scripture for me, baby? Is it Mark 7, 34? Look at her. Wait, come out here. Zoe, come here. Look, look what she's doing. Come here. Come here, come here, come here, come here. Come out more. Come out. Look at her. Look. <laughs> she's a trip. I love you. She's like, I got it. Mark 7. You see, this is the way Jesus lived. This is so powerful. Go to verse, we'll start in verse 32. This is so important for outreach, I can't even tell you. Verse 32, then they, of Mark 7. Then they brought to him one who was deaf and had an impediment in his speech. And they begged him to put his hand on him. And Jesus took him aside from the multitude and put his fingers in his ears and spat and touched his tongue. Well, (laughs) well, I, Okay. I'm going to do it lovingly. Well, I believe God can, but the way y'all do it, we just don't like the way they get healed. We believe God can still do the miracles. We just don't like the way you Holy Spirit people do it. Would you rather me spit into their mouth? Not on their face, like, hey, bro, stick your tongue out. Would that be more biblical? Verse 33, took him aside from the multitude, put his fingers in his ears, spat and touched his tongue. Now hear me, listen. Then looking up to heaven, he sighed. Look down, look down at your Bible. Oh, are you looking up there? Is the scripture up there? Well, don't look at me. Look at the Bible. (laughs) Then... We call these spiritual itineraries. Listen, this is intimacy with God. You begin to discover how and when and in what order he did things. Then looking up to heaven, he sighed and said to him, the sick man, if that is, be open. Then he, looking up to heaven, sighed, And then said, let me give you a similar verse that maybe you've never think to couple with that. 
Genesis 1. And God created the heavens and the earth. And the earth was formless and void. And the Spirit of God hovered over the face of the deep. And then God said. The Holy Spirit is SEAL Team 6 in this equation. He is Delta Force. He is Special Ops. I have news for you. Today when you go on outreach, the Holy Spirit will not just go with you. He is going to be waiting on you out there. He's going ahead of you. That's what the Bible teaches. He will go ahead of you and do what? Hover over the faces of those deep, dark hearts. And he begins to hover. And what's he doing? Prepping the soil. Man, I feel the Lord. Prepping the soil. Moisturizing parched land. All the impossible people. The moment you say, I'm going out there. The Holy Spirit goes, yeah, I'll meet you. I'll meet you there. I'll be out there. And I'm going to begin to tenderize some hearts. And then you meet him out there. And you find this scriptural beauty that Jesus lived in. And this was the order. He looked up to heaven. Why? Why did he look to heaven? He said, I don't do a thing. I don't see my father do. Why is that important? It's much easier to join him than to get him to do what you want him to do. Prayer is not joined, by the way. Prayer... Prayer is joined, I should say. It's not generated. That's why Paul goes, man, I don't even know how to pray. But the Spirit, who knoweth all things. Is this helping you? So Jesus walks up to this guy, and I want you to watch what he does. He looks to heaven, and he fixes his gaze on a greater reality than the deafness. We call that gathering the waters. Can you picture the clamor? All these crowds bring Jesus, this deaf, mute man. And there's people everywhere, and Jesus goes, this is a little busy. They're pulling on me, and that worked yesterday where my, the hem of my garment was healing the sick. Maybe the Father's doing something different today. I've got to still this busyness. Buddy, come with me outside the village. So he takes him outside the village. Why? Because he didn't have... He was, wasn't bold and ashamed of his faith? No, not quite. He gets him away, settles his heart, has a look at the Father, sees that the Father is way bigger than deafness. And then he sighs. Why did he sigh? Listen up. Every time I behold him, I can have him. So Jesus looks up. He sees him. He goes, ah, fresh and filling. Oh. That's why I worship when I'm ministering to you. Because I feel this flow. Jesus. You're beautiful. We worship. I exalt it. Whatever. We're singing. Oh, and that sigh becomes the spoken word. And now I'm standing on dry land. And I have authority in the moment. 
You say, I always have authority. Oh, yeah, you do. But I'm giving you the key to experiencing that authority. It's seeing Jesus rightly. And then having a drink yourself when you're dispensing new wine. You can only give away what you have. What time do you have? So, you want to go back? Let's go back to Sunday school a second. Because this is, remember, the more deep you go in the Lord, the more childlike you're to become. So, complication is never depth. I love what Bill says. If I don't meet him while I'm reading... It just equips me to debate with you a little better. And debaters don't change the world. Possessed Jesus lovers change the world. You know, when I'm I'm hungry, I'm not going, oh, this is the best Greek pita bread I've ever seen. I wonder how they cut it. I wonder if the Greek lady who made it had a mustache like my aunts did. Uh, huh. Where'd they get the wheat? Didn't they press it properly? How much water did they use? There yeast in here? When I'm hungry, I eat. And you don't have to be so worried about getting tripped up. Jesus said, my sheep know my voice. My sheep know my voice. If it doesn't make sense in your brain and your heart's warm, go with your heart. So, let's go back here. Here are a few questions. Is the presence of Jesus, Jesus? Are you sure? Is Jesus God? Okay. Is God a side issue in the Christian life? Therefore, is His presence a side issue in the Christian life? How real is His presence? Well, how, I mean, like super real? Is his presence more real than us? Here's another question. Don't answer. I want you to think about it. What is the new covenant? See? I, I, I know it's some of your minds. Some of your minds are saying, it's a contract. Uh, the new covenant is my identity. The new covenant is sonship. The new covenant. No. At the core, according to Isaiah 49, the Father says to Jesus, I will give thee as a covenant unto them. Our covenant is a person. You say, you should all be really smiling right now. The, eter- the eternal nature of the person guarantees the eternal nature of our covenant. That means our covenant is as sure as he is. That means God will never change his mind about you. That means Jesus 
would have to change his nature and lie in order for the covenant to change. So Jesus is sitting there with the disciples. They're breaking bread at the Last Supper and he looks at the cup of wine and says, this is the cup of the new covenant in my blood. In his blood. In it. The covenant lives in his blood and his blood carries his life. The life of the flesh, the scripture says, is in the blood. The New Testament is not, well, let me just say it like this. The beginning of the New Testament is much more than the beginning of the book of Matthew. He's the testament. Jesus himself. He's the covenant. Therefore, his presence among us and in us and on us today is a big deal. Because he's God. He's God. Now, am I saying Anna needs to go out there with all of your teams and sing over you today? No. I'm not saying that at all. But I am saying this. It's really possible. When God leads you to somebody. And this is what I do as much as I can. I'm trying to get better at it. And God leads me to someone. That person's in a wheelchair. That person's blind. Like Juanel from last night. I can go like this for a second. <sighs> Thank you, Jesus. That's all it takes. Thank you, Jesus. All of a sudden, my heart is not troubled. I'm not afraid of that sickness. Uh, it, it's calm. The waters are gathered, and I feel authority come. Because as I give my attention to him, he manifests himself. Then I see this big Jesus standing next to this little bitty tumor. And I realize my only job is to get my hand on that tumor. I'm throwing the pitch. It's his job to hit it. That's good news. You say, I, I'm not sure how well I'll throw the pitch. I have good news for you. He's the greatest hitter in history. He, he, yeah, he can, you can throw it in the backstop. Jesus is like, <laughs> home run. You can throw it in the dirt. The back gets longer. He'll hit it. It doesn't have to be home field. You can be around people that hate him. They can be booing, doesn't matter. All I have to do is gather the waters, talk to him. The moment I talk to him, he's on the scene. Check this out. This is why when you talk to him, you get his attention. He's not like your husband during football season. <laughs> hey, babe. Huh? Babe, we have to pay the mortgage. <laughs> it's not like the Lord. He told me years ago, if you talk to me, I'll look at you. When I look at you, I'll come. And when I come, I'm not lazy. I'll do the greatest things you could ever imagine. So when Jesus, when Jesus shows up 
and sees something that mocks his death, burial, and resurrection. He is more than happy to establish the covenant and obliterate it because he's good. Listen, don't trust your prayer. Don't trust your little... Do you know how often we try to lead people to the Lord and we forget to mention the Lord? Now, dude, do you, do you know heaven's real? They're like, well, I think so. Do you know hell's real? Uh, well, I don't know, but most people are like, I don't, <laughs> I don't know about that one. And then we give them 400 like, concepts and scriptures and we never tell them about Jesus. And we're trying to lead them to the Lord without mentioning the Lord. And the Lord's like, if you'll just say my name, I will literally come into the moment. And while you can't see me, I'll stand right next to you. And they'll start to sense me and not know what they're sensing. And then just tell them about me and share the clean gospel. It still works today. So things really easy. And I said it yesterday, I didn't, I didn't get to finish. But how often do we draw the Lord into the moment and then move on? In our meetings, in our services, for instance, we worship, the Lord's presence comes, and we go, time out. Can you see the Lord going, I can't wait to get in there. Whoa. So, could I have some help on the keys, please? Just, just very softly. Um, in this room are world changers. Uh, it's morning. I can come down. So, in this world or world, in this room are world changers. And some of you have forgotten what God has spoken to you. So I live personally, I'll just let you into my life. When I started in ministry with my father in law, it was very difficult because he could sing Kumbaya or O McDonald and there'd be twelve thousand miracles. I studied healing and nothing happened. I preached my guts out. Very little happened. I had this overwhelming, overshadowing, in those days, pressure. Never realizing it was just about Jesus. And after fasting and praying for two years, he led me on a journey straight to him. And I had to build my own history with God. I found that living in his presence is what secured the prophetic words over my life when I was 12. That, I'd, that I would have a healing ministry. But nobody was getting healed in 2005. I saw like one healing a year, maybe. And that may have been back pain that went from a 9 to an 8.5. And I felt like we should have had a parade. Whoa! I'm Oral Roberts, man! So while, while I can put a hand on you and impart a spiritual gift, it's not my gift, by the way. They're the gifts of the Spirit. 
For some reason, he uses our hands. So the Bible says, many receive the gift of the Spirit through the laying on of hands. He said it that way. While that can happen, what I can't give you is my history with the Lord. I cannot impart, I cannot impart my, the internal presence of Jesus into your spirit. Only he can do that. But what I discovered is the more I spend time with Jesus in his presence, the more clearly I could hear the words spoken over my life in 1989 when I was sick and got healed in Benny's meeting. I noticed that as I vacated and stopped tending to the garden, which is the call of God, that's what God called Adam to do. He said, tend to the garden. Adam chose stuff without presence, and the curse was, now you got to work the garden. The anointing doesn't flow through people who try harder. Dead wood burns way better than green wood. Green wood, wood full of its own life, is smoke. Dead wood burns brightly. When we are most dead and calm, the Holy Spirit begins to flow. That's why it's flowing right now. It's flowing. And volume doesn't mean authority. So I began to discover that when I lived by the wayside, my destiny was clouded. I mean every day. Manna fell daily. I said manna fell daily. Your yesterday's prayer experience is not going to feed you today. It won't do it. God won't have it. Like that manna that came daily was Jesus. Do you know that? Round because he's eternal. He has no beginning and no end. White because he's perfectly pure. Thin because he's the fragile lamb of God. Sweet to the taste because he's honey from the rock. It's all about Jesus. So I discovered that as I was with him, I could hear clearly what I'm walking in today. When I was away from him, I was discouraged, comparing myself to others, thinking I would never measure up. Wanting other people's walk with God. Never finding my own authentic dialogue. God only anoints you. He will not anoint your mask. He will not anoint your mask. So today what I sense is this. This is what I sense. I sense there are many of you here who have prophetic destiny over your life It's not clicking. And you've given up on it. You wonder if it'll ever happen. Yes, Lord. And you've even become offended at God. And you look at whoever. You look at your favorite preachers. You look at whatever. Because they have a platform. And you go, that's just never me. Maybe. Maybe I was lied to. Or maybe. Maybe the devil stole the word in your heart. Because the shepherd who holds the staff and the rod only lives on the way, and you've been living at the wayside. But today, I really believe hearts are going to come alive. Hearts are going to come alive. 
destiny is going to come alive. Prophetic promise is going to come alive again. The scriptures are going to come alive. When you walk out of this room today, you're going to see sickness for what it really is, not what the devil is trying to get you to believe it is. You're going to see it as being evil. You're going to see it as not coming from God. You're going to see it as an easy fix before the majesty of Jesus. An easy fix. A very easy fix. Because His presence distracts you. Just lift your hands. Father, you're drawing us so close to your son. That's because (laughs) it's because you're crazy about your son. Lord, there are so many great destinies here today that need to come alive. So, Father, I'm asking that here in your presence, people would be able to see again why you formed them, why you created them. Bring them back to those early days when you touched them. Remind them of what their parents prayed for. Remind them of what your servants have spoken over them. Remind them what the word says about them and over their life. Remind them today that their hands will drip healing glory and that their words will shatter the hearts of the hard-hearted. So here in your presence, Lord, as we're in the way, as we're right here with you, sow seed, Lord. Yeah, just receive, guys. Sow seed, Father. Sow seed here. Sow seed. Sow seed, Lord. Sow seed here. Speak, Lord Jesus. Let your word come alive. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Don't clap yet in your heart now I just want you to do a prophetic act I know this is weird I said I'd never do this I thought all the intercessors and prophets were from outer space but I feel like the Lord's wanting to do that right now I want you as a prophetic act pull that in pull it in right now pull it down say I pull that in I pull in I pull it in Lord I pull in your word I pull in the seeds you're sowing and I'll live in your presence in Jesus name Amen Amen can we give Jesus praise yeah, we love you, Lord. We love you. To get daily teaching from Michael and to follow our event schedule around the world, please follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Be sure to subscribe to the Jesus Image TV YouTube channel as well. By partnering with Jesus Image, you will help us take the saving and healing power of Jesus to the world. Your giving changes lives forever. For more information, please visit us online at JesusImage.tv.
or write us at Jesus Image, P.O. Box 950-640, Lake Mary, Florida, 32795. Thank you for your prayers and financial support. Jesus is the answer for every life, everywhere.